the Value Reporting Foundation really aims to support the IFRS trustees and you know, as they've intended to move forward following their consultation, we're ready to engage with them, IOSCO, FRAG, and others that are working towards global alignment on a corporate reporting system. And the work of the group of five really was sort of maybe a warm-up you can think of as getting ready for sort of this big event or big movement, if you will, now that the IFRS trustees are weighing in. Welcome to Sustainability Leaders. I'm Michael Torrance, Chief Sustainability Officer with BMO Financial Group. On this show, we will talk with leading sustainability practitioners from the corporate, investor, academic, and NGO communities to explore how this rapidly evolving field of sustainability is impacting global investment, business practices, and our world. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of Bank of Montreal, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. Hi, I'm Whitney McQuaid, Director of Sustainability Strategy, Disclosure, and Impact at BMO. Today, we'll be talking about the evolution of corporate reporting in a world where corporations are increasingly expected to manage their businesses in the interest of a wide array of stakeholders, groups like customers, communities, employees, NGOs, as well as, of course, shareholders. It's in this context that transparency and accountability of sustainability performance is now considered to be a fundamental part of business management and essential for understanding the value a company brings to society and the impacts it has on its various stakeholder groups, impacts that can be economic, environmental, and social in nature. The sustainability reporting landscape is complex, with many reporting standards and frameworks that each serve a unique purpose and audience and approach sustainability disclosure from slightly different angles. This reality means that publishing sustainability information that is meaningful can be resource intensive for companies, and without consistency in which standards or frameworks issuers use or how they apply them, the investor community cites comparability of these disclosures as a challenge to the usefulness of the information, highlighting the need for a clear and comprehensive sustainability reporting framework. Over the past six to nine months, we've been starting to see a shift in this space, whereby the big players in sustainability reporting, the likes of the Global Reporting Initiative, the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, the International Integrated Reporting Council, CDP, and others now seem to agree on this need for convergence, and in September of 2020, published a statement of intent to work together towards a comprehensive corporate reporting system and committed to collaborating to achieve that goal. Following that, the IFRS Foundation published a consultation paper on sustainability reporting to determine whether there is a need for global sustainability standards, whether the IFRS Foundation should play a role, and what the scope of such standards could be. We have since heard that the project will be going forward and an International Sustainability Standards Board, or SSB, will be established. Today, I'm talking to Maria Theophylactidis and Larry Leva from the IFRS Foundation and Katie Schmitz-Hewlett with the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board to talk about the flurry of activity that we've seen in the sustainability reporting landscape. Maria and Larry are trustees of the IFRS Foundation. They join me to discuss the IFRS's work and the potentially hugely influential role it could play for sustainability practitioners and users of sustainability information. Maria and Larry, thanks so much for joining us today. To kick things off, can you each tell us a bit about yourselves, your careers, and how you came to be involved in this work? Larry, maybe we'll start with you. Okay, thanks Whitney, and good day everybody. So I'm starting my second three-year term as an IFRS Foundation trustee. I serve on a number of committees. I chair the Audit, Finance, and Risk Committee, and also serve on the Due Process and Ethics Committees. And relevant for today's discussion, I serve on the Sustainability Reporting Steering Committee. Just some additional background, I retired from KPMG after 40 years with the firm back in December of 2018, and served in a number of senior leadership positions over the years with my last 12 years serving as vice chairman of KPMG International responsible for quality risk and regulatory. I got involved in this area, Whitney, through my work on the IFRS Foundation Sustainability Steering Committee. And it's really been eye-opening to see how much good work has been done by the existing sustainability standard setters, but at the same time to see how the level of actual sustainability reporting is so fragmented and inconsistent. And I am really happy to be involved in such an important initiative. Maria? 
Thanks, Larry. Well, I actually was nominated as a trustee of the IFRS Foundation just over a year ago. And I'm honored actually to be the Canadian representative on the foundation. I am on the Finance and Audit Committee and the Ethics Committee of the foundation as well. And I came into the foundation just as it was embarking on its strategic review and analysis of the sustainability role that it wants to play. And while I have been involved in ESG reporting as part of my career, I actually have been very excited to learn more about this critical area as we proceed forward with the foundation on this topic. As far as my background goes, I'm actually currently Executive Vice President of Finance here at Scotiabank in Toronto. I am a chartered accountant by background, so maybe accounting standards are in my DNA a little. I have uh, spent my career, which is over 25 years, primarily in financial services here in Canada as well as in South Africa. I've been in various senior roles across many areas in the bank. I've been in external audit but also internal audit, finance, capital management, risk management, retail banking and compliance. So very broad experience across the banking spectrum. And previously, actually, I was a member of the Preparers Forum at the IFRS Foundation when I was chief accountant of the bank. And that is one of the many key stakeholder bodies of the International Accounting Standards Board, which really gave me insight into the governance and due process of the uh, IFRS Foundation. Fantastic. Lots of very interesting and relevant um, experiences from you both. So looking forward to hearing your insights on the SSB or Sustainability Standards Board. But first, can you describe for us you know, what the IFRS Foundation is, what its role is in relation to corporate reporting and the role that you both play as trustees? Well, the IFRS Foundation is a not-for-profit public interest organization. It was established to develop a single set of very high-quality, understandable, enforceable, globally accepted accounting standards. These are the International Financial Reporting Standards, or IFRS, as they're commonly known. And these IFRS standards are actually set by the independent standard setting body of the foundation, and that is the International Accounting Standards Board, or IASB. Currently, IFRS standards are actually mandated in more than 140 jurisdictions across the globe and are permitted in many more jurisdictions. The mission of the foundation is to develop these high-quality, transparent standards to ensure accountability and efficiency for financial markets around the world. So we serve the public interest. It fosters trust in in the markets. It enables investors and other market participants to make informed economic decisions. And obviously through that process facilitates efficient capital allocation. And Larry and I, as trustees of the IFRS Foundation, we're one of over 20 globally represented trustees. And our responsibility is really the governance, oversight, and strategic direction of the foundation and the International Accounting Standards Board uh, in and of itself. We don't create the standards. We just ensure that there's appropriate governance and oversight in their creation. Got it. And this role with in regards to strategic direction is very relevant to what we're talking about today in relation to sustainability reporting. So how did the IFRS Foundation first become interested in sustainability reporting and what has the journey that led to the creation of the Sustainability Standards Board look like? Well, Whitney, the trustees of the foundation perform a strategic review every five years, and it's an opportunity for us to consider big picture public interest issues and sustainability reporting clearly falls into that category. For the last couple of years, sustainability reporting has just received an incredible amount of attention. Investors and other key stakeholders, including regulators, were increasingly calling for a global set of sustainability standards. And many of those same voices were increasingly looking to the IFRS Foundation to get involved. I should note that the existing sustainability standard setters have done an incredible job, but the challenge is that there are a number of standard setters that are out there and the disclosures by companies are voluntary. And a common criticism is that companies can pick and choose what standards they wanna comply with and the level of compliance. 
As a result, there have been increased calls from investors and others for greater comparability and more consistent application, particularly at a global level. And going back some 20 years, the development and widespread mandatory adoption of IFRS standards fulfill that role for financial reporting. And many have suggested that the IFRS Foundation can and should play a similar consolidating role in sustainability reporting. So as a result, we issued a consultation paper. The foundation issued a consultation paper at the end of September with a three-month uh, common period to the end of the year. And the paper sought feedback on three things, really. Is there a demand for global sustainability reporting standards? Second, whether the foundation should play a role and third, what role might that be? And we included a possible option of forming a new sustainability standards board that would sit alongside the IASB that Maria referred to within the foundation's governance structure. And we set out the conditions that would need to be met for us to be successful if we were to set up a new sustainability board. We would need support from the right authorities and, and regulators we would work with existing initiatives, jurisdictions, existing standard setters to achieve consistency and reduce complexity. And very importantly, we would need appropriate funding. Today, the foundation is in good financial condition, but the reserves that we have are mandated to be used for financial reporting for the work of the IASB. And we can't simply take that money that was contributed for a specific purpose and start using it for something else. So we're going to need to raise the appropriate funding for sustainability reporting if we're going to be able to move in that direction. In terms of responses to the consultation paper, we, we received almost 600 response letters from a diverse group of stakeholders and organizations and individuals around the world. And those responses indicated broad demand for global sustainability reporting standards, broad support for those standards to have an initial focus on climate change disclosures with strong recognition that urgent steps uh, need to be taken. And finally, a broad demand for the IFRS Foundation to play a role. Thanks, Larry. You mentioned the number of standard setting organizations out there already in this IFRS initiative joining an already crowded sustainability reporting landscape. I mentioned in our introduction that the five big players in sustainability reporting published a statement of intent committing to work more closely together. And there's this trend towards convergence of the various sustainability standard setting institutions. From your perspective, Maria, how important is that piece of work? To meeting the demand for sustainability information? How does it fit in with the IFRS initiative that Larry described and which stakeholders do you view as the main beneficiaries of the outcome, which is more comparable and consistent disclosures? I think the convergence work is critically important. Currently, as Larry said, there's a wide range of voluntary frameworks and, and standards that are in use and from the preparer's side, they're faced with opting to report using all these multiple standards, metrics, and frameworks. And to be quite honest, the view is that the results have limited effectiveness and impact. There's a high risk of complexity and clearly ever-increasing cost. And from the users of the information, it also creates a lack of consistency, transparency, and comparability. So there is an urgent demand for convergence, and the view is that delays um, to creating that global coherence and in particular on pressing issues like climate-related disclosures will actually increase the threat of fragmentation and re therefore not really engage the capital markets to help uh, move to uh, a better ESG reporting, to transition to low-carbon economies, etc. And as you see people starting to uh, commit to target dates, in particular around climate where we're, we're all committing to net zero emissions, the reporting standards can actually then play a vital role in assessing and assisting in meeting and monitoring those targets. So clearly hugely important that there's convergence. So that's where an international sustainability reporting standards board can be of assistance is helping to bring those together. 
And so when you look at the stakeholder side of things, I think it's quite clear that there's a huge group of stakeholders that can benefit from more comparability and consistent disclosures. And it depends on what your interest is, whether you're looking at it from the perspective of an investor where you want to understand all the material issues that impact enterprise value creation, or whether you're interested in the broader impacts on the economy, the environment, or people in that context. From the IFRS perspective, though, as we've published in our public statement on March 8th, we really did share our view that from a strategic direction perspective, a new sustainability board would target the investor focus, really looking at reporting on items that are material to enterprise value creation, which is aligned with many of the alliance participants, but not all of them. And of course, we know that the idea of who an investor is, is changing, right? So when provided the right information, investors can be the change agents and lead to proper capital flowing to sustainable companies and activities, which is the object of many of these organizations. And the reason the IFRS landed on the investor focus was really that it is the foundation's DNA. It's where our legitimacy lies, is where we can add the most value in the sustainability reporting space, in our view. It's allowed our mission to facilitate efficiency to financial markets and serve the public interest. And we do recognize, though, that there's a lot of interdependence between the information that captures, you know, expected value creation, which is what investors look at, as well as the other side of it, which is the value creation for society and the environment. Building on that, Maria, how would the SSB interact with those well-established institutions like the GRI, SASB, IIRC, as well as some of the more recent activity in a sustainability reporting space. I'm thinking, for example, of the World Economic Forum's paper on measuring stakeholder capitalism, which provides another kind of reporting framework that's essentially a curated set of of metrics from those more well-established organizations. How do you see that fitting in with the ultimate output or goals of the IFRS Foundation's work in this area? Well, we've been quite public that interaction with these key existing initiatives is actually vitally important. The goal is not to reinvent the wheel. We recognize that we need to build upon the progress already made because that's essential in helping us to meet the urgent need, right? Like the speed will be compromised if we start from scratch. A new board would work very closely with the existing sustainability reporting initiatives so we can find the quickest and most effective route to reduce complexity. We've also been quite clear in our public statement that the new board would work with the framework of the Financial Stability Board's Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, as well as all this work that's been done on the convergence with these leading standard setters in sustainability reporting. Clearly, we want to consider an alliance approach, and in particular when it comes to climate-related disclosures. We've already initiated a process of structured engagement with all of these relevant organizations. They have to be part of our journey. And we are, with the World Economic Forum, we're in frequent contact and working to ensure we have good alignment across our respective work streams. So I think the message here is that we will continue to engage with the existing groups and move forward together to ensure we have a running start. Yeah. Whitney, if I could add, you know, it's important that we are not in competition with those existing standard setters. And it's also important to note that the WEF with IBC, the International Business Council, and the large firms that work to develop those uh, disclosure requirements for the WEF, as well as the standard setters in this space, have all come out and been very supportive of the idea of the IFRS Foundation getting involved and setting up a new sustainability standards board and looking to help us. Fantastic. You mentioned one thing about speed, and we understand that the need for a more comprehensive reporting framework is urgent, but I can imagine that the process of developing a standard takes time as you conduct, you know, in-depth consultation, integrate feedback from multiple stakeholders. And when you start to think about the huge variety of ESG topics that issuers report on, the idea of developing standardized disclosures for each of those could become a bit of an overwhelming task. We know that the IFRS will focus its efforts initially on developing a climate-related disclosure standard and then expand 
to other ESG topics over time. But Larry, how do you see that playing out in the short and medium term? Well, Whitney, climate change has been identified as the area of greatest near-term demand, not only through the responses to the consultation paper, but before then, um, we had a task force that was set up and we did significant outreach. And again, the feedback, very consistent. Most important, most urgent need is climate change disclosure. So we will initially prioritize climate change uh, related disclosures. And the good news is a lot of progress has already been made on the climate change front of sustainability reporting. Indeed, it's among the most developed of the ESG areas, meaning a new board can really hit the ground running. And in terms of medium term, I note that IOSCO has proposed the establishment of a multi-stakeholder expert consultative committee within the IFRS foundation structure. And we support such a committee as it would help the new SSB to identify and prioritize the most urgent and relevant sustainability topics that would follow climate change. You know, we have a very well-developed due process system that we have used at the IASB. And it's when you are developing standards for a global audience, it's really important to make sure you're getting input from around the world. And we will do that. And it's one of the most important reasons that people look to the IFRS Foundation to get involved in sustainability reporting because we have that global credibility. We have that relationship with the regulators, IOSCO. And, you know, one of the challenges that the existing standard setters have is the regulators have not mandated the disclosure requirements. And IOSCO, again, very supportive of the IFRS Foundation initiative. And the hope is that will help speed up comparability and consistency by mandating disclosures in, in key jurisdictions. Yeah, and we've seen a lot of work happening with, with regulators, you know, contemplating how these disclosures can or should be factored into, into companies' regulatory filings. One of the ways that the existing sustainability reporting frameworks and standards diverge is on their definition of materiality. So the consultation paper released by the IFRS Foundation makes a distinction between single and double materiality. Larry, can you explain those two concepts for us and which approach is the SSB leaning towards? So let me use climate change as maybe the example. And so the concept of single materiality would focus on the impact of climate change to the reporting company. So you can think of an insurance company, property insurance company that has to consider its insurance premiums for properties by shores, where global warming and the level of the oceans might be increasing over time. And so the impact of climate change to the reporting company. The concept of double materiality would be the impact of the reporting company's operations on climate change to the broader environment. And examples there would include, you know, fossil fuel companies and how those operations are impact the broader environment. You know, some have argued that single materiality is, is too focused and only focused on investors. Whereas double materiality's focus would be of interest uh, primarily to policymakers and other stakeholders and not necessarily to investors. But, you know, the more you think about it, the, the single and double materiality are very conceptual terms. And the more we discuss uh, the, these areas with folks at IOSCO and, and others, the more we see that the choice of single or double materiality is, is not really a black and white choice of one or the other. Existing standard setters, in fact, working together have coined the concept of dynamic materiality, which over time, issues that relate to a company's impact on the environment will also have a direct bearing on the company itself. And as a result, on its financial reporting, 
by, for example, potentially an impairment of an asset or by the need to recognize a liability. So as Maria mentioned, our current focus is on information that is relevant to enterprise value creation or destruction, as the case may be, which captures expected value creation for investors in the short, medium, and long term, and is interdependent with value creation for society and, and the environment more broadly. And that question about materiality was one of the key kind of points of consultation in the consultation paper. Maria, can you share with us any other feedback or topics that that you received feedback on as a result of that consultation paper? We've covered a lot of the actual output. I mean, at the end of the day, um, Larry kind of shared with you kind of the key points in the consultation paper, which was around demand and uh, the IFRS role in that demand. We got over 570 comment letters. And they came from a very diverse set of stakeholders, groups, organizations, individuals who chose to comment back. And all of these are actually available on the IFRS website. What is clear across all of these comment letters was broad support for global sustainability standards. So there's really an urgent need, very strong recognition for that. And in addition to that, there was a broad demand for the IFRS Foundation to play a role quite clearly in this context, and that was supported further by a statement from IOSCO in that context. So as a result of that demand, the trustees have already decided in February to move forward, do more analysis, figure out what exactly needs to be done in order to establish a new board. And so we're moving towards the establishment of an International Sustainability Reporting Standards Board within the existing governance structure of the IFRS Foundation. Based on the assessment of the feedback and our mission, the strategic direction has been set. Like we said, investor focus, focused on enterprise value. It has got the sustainability scope. That was one of our questions, but prioritizing climate first. Build on existing frameworks that also came through in the uh, feedback. People want us to get a running start, and that is our intention And lastly, using a building blocks approach, right? Let's build this global standard and then let allow flexibility to build on that as we move forward. So really the feedback was just support of the steps that we are already taking on moving towards the rest of the year. Fantastic. So we know the SSB will be created, will be established. What are the next steps then? What should we all expect to see over the coming months? Well, we continue to work on the key success factors that are laid out in the consultation paper, most importantly, including getting support from key jurisdictions for our building block approach uh, to sustainability reporting, utilizing that global baseline from a new SSB, which would drive greater comparability and consistency, and very importantly, also, as I mentioned earlier, to obtain appropriate funding. Without the funding, we really can't go very far. We'll also need to consult on changes to the IFRS Foundation Constitution. This is a necessity for the foundation to expand its scope, and such consultations require a minimum 90-day comment period, so we're, we're working on that as we speak. We need to continue to engage with leading sustainability standard setters to see how a new SSB can make use of their existing human uh, capital, expertise, climate change uh, content to allow for us to have a running start. Uh, We want to continue to work with IOSCO to create that multi-stakeholder committee to guide a new SSB on priorities after climate change disclosures. And finally, we want to keep on track to make a final determination on a new board in advance of the UN COP26 climate conference in November of 2021. Lots of work ahead. Maria, Larry, thanks very much for taking the time to share your insights with us today on this rapidly evolving topic. Thank you very much, Whitney, for including us. This is a critical area and we're actually very excited to be part of this global journey. Shortly after the IFRS Foundation published their consultation paper on sustainability reporting, two other entities announced their intention to merge into a unified organization called the Value Reporting Foundation. 
Those two organizations are the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, known as SASB, and the International Integrated Reporting Council, known as the IIRC. Katie Schmitz-Hewlett is the Director of Investor Outreach at SASB, and she explains why the two groups decided to merge and the role the Value Reporting Foundation is expected to play as we transition into a new reality of sustainability reporting, including by supporting the IFRS trustees in their work by providing building blocks for the Sustainability Standards Board. Katie, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be on the line with you, Whitney. To start things off, can you tell us a bit about your background and the accountabilities of your current role? Sure. I've been with SASB since its inception and have worn many hats, including in the beginning of our work, bringing together our industry working groups who really helped us formulate and vet the standards, which are now codified. I now work primarily with our investor advisory group, which is now comprised of 57 members of asset owners and asset managers around the world with over 42 trillion in assets who are among the strongest supporters of SASB in our growing um, SASB Alliance. That alliance has over 200 members in it and uh, we're just continuing to see growing investor support for our work. Fantastic. So let's start with the statement of intent that I mentioned in the introduction. That paper was put out by five framework and standard setting institutions last fall. Which frameworks and standards were involved in that work and what prompted you all to get together? Great. Yeah, that was a pivotal moment. So the five groups that were involved were leading standard setting institutions and frameworks of international significance, CDP, CDSB, or the Climate Disclosure Standards Board, GRI, the International Integrated Reporting, and SASB. We came together to address growing calls for rationalization of the ESG disclosure landscape. You know, in addition to that, our aim was to really help resolve market confusion because there is a vast array of standards and frameworks in the marketplace. We really wanted to begin to provide joint market guidance on how our frameworks and standards can be applied in a compatible and additive way to demonstrate a commitment to working together toward a coherent, comprehensive corporate reporting system, and to begin to provide a common language as well as visuals to help design an end-state system of disclosure standards. And what is that vision for an end-state system or, or a comprehensive reporting system, and what role will each of those players play in that future state? Yeah, so it, it is complicated. I think one of the most valuable things to emerge from the, the statement of intent from the group of five was a clearer articulation of the nature of materiality, that it's not this or that, um, it's dynamic, and that sustainability disclosure serves many purposes and multiple users. And so because of that, there isn't a single standard or framework for sustainability or ESG-related disclosure that meets the needs of all audiences interested in the information. So that common language and those visuals that I talked about earlier, one of the most important things was this graphic of nested and dynamic materiality that was included in the statement of intent. And it really was intended to provide a big picture view of the relationships between our standards and frameworks, and at a high level, mapping out how the frameworks and standards see ourselves fitting into a nested ecosystem, addressing the dynamic nature of materiality and a variety of stakeholders. So when I say materiality is dynamic, I mean that matters of importance can move between different parts of the disclosure ecosystem over time. So for example, as society becomes aware of an issue such as climate change, interest in disclosure of carbon emissions enters the disclosure landscape, first in the big outer box or the big picture, if you will, of the nested materiality graphic. And then as investors start to factor into capital market pricing, the cost of transitioning to a net zero economy, for example, Emissions disclosure moves into the middle box of the graphic uh, because it's part of enterprise value-related investor decision-making. And then you can, you can envision in, um, emissions over time, emission disclosure eventually migrating into the smallest or innermost box in the graphic as the financial consequences of a transition to a low-carbon economy impact net asset values captured in traditional financial disclosures. So the nature of how a topic can be material to an organization can change over time and 
the five organizations that we're talking about here define materiality in different ways. How do those five organizations see themselves working together in that future state that we're envisioning? Like, What will the role that SASB play versus the role that the IARC will play? Right. So I'll answer that in a couple of different ways. So we don't all five have different definitions of materiality. I would say that there are are sort of two camps, one that is really looking at what you would call perhaps impact-focused materiality. What are the impacts of a company's activities on the world and society? GRI and the WEF-IBC metrics fit into that outer box. SASB, CDSB, and IARC are focused on financial materiality and enterprise value creation or destruction. So we're in that middle box. And so we have sort of mapped out how companies can report, and we ourselves are working towards building a system that is more interoperable so that when issues migrate from one part of the graphic to another, which is a, an overly simplistic way of thinking about it, we're talking about things using the same language, using common terminology, so that a reporting entity isn't having to talk about things in different ways. We're trying to converge around a common language for communicating around these things. That makes sense. And, and you mentioned the, the SASE standards and the IARC's integrated reporting framework both use this view of materiality as financial materiality or enterprise value creation. And it's those two organizations that have now merged to create what's being called the Value Reporting Foundation. So can you tell us a little bit about what was the impetus behind that merger? What's the status of that work today? And how do you see that playing out? Right. So I would say that through our work with the group of five, one of the things that was really obvious, as I mentioned, was that some of us were more like each other than others. And so in response to global market demands for convergence of ESG reporting frameworks and standards, which we're hearing all the time, in November of last year, we announced that we intended to merge into a unified organization, the Value Reporting Foundation. And the, the purpose of the VRF is to merge SASB and IARC into a credible international organization that maintains the integrated reporting framework, advocates integrated thinking, and sets sustainability to disclosure standards for enterprise value creation or focused on enterprise value creation. Um, so we see it as a major advancement towards building a more comprehensive and coherent corporate reporting system. Our entities are, are complementary in many ways, including complementarity of our philosophies, complementarity of our products, our networks, and you know just being able to support one another, and then coming together, aiming to support the IFRS trustees in their work moving forward as they've announced their intention to create a sustainability standards board. Yeah, which was great news that we heard recently. And their focus initially will also be on this idea of enterprise value. And we'll get into that in a second. But before we move on to the IFRS piece of the puzzle, can you help us understand how SASB and the New Value Reporting Foundation will interact with the other reporting frameworks and standards that maybe take a different view of materiality. So SASB has also publicly announced that it will work collaboratively with the GRI, for example. So how does that partnership fit in? That's exactly right. So we intend for our collaboration with GRI to be ongoing. So as you noted, last year we announced an intention to collaborate that was followed by a launch of a survey of companies that are using both GRI and SASB in their reporting. That survey was completed in October of last year, and we're in the midst of pulling together a technical illustrative report on the results of the survey that's scheduled to be published in, in the first quarter of 2021. We are really committed towards working towards that interoperability that I mentioned previously between GRI and SASB standards, and that work will be ongoing to evaluate the development of a common taxonomy, common metrics, and a more collaborative approach to standard setting moving forward. That's great to hear. So at about the same time that that statement of intent from the five organizations was published, the IFRS released a consultation paper on the need for global sustainability standards and sought stakeholder input on a possible role that the IFRS Foundation could play in the development of such a standards through the creation of a sustainability standards board. And as we've alluded to already, they've recently announced that that project will be moving forward. 
And they will initially focus on enterprise value from an investor perspective and an initial priority focus on climate-related financial disclosures, but expanding to, to include other ESG topics over time. So how does that project fit in with both the statement of intent from the five organizations and the creation of the Value Reporting Foundation? There's lots of players getting involved. So how will that all play out, do you think? Absolutely. It's really exciting times. And to be clear, the Value Reporting Foundation really aims to support the IFRS trustees. And, you know, as they've intended to move forward following their consultation, we're ready to engage with them, IOSCO, FRAG, and others that are working towards global alignment on a corporate reporting system. And the work of the Group of Five really was sort of maybe a warm-up you can think of as getting ready for sort of this big event or big movement, if you will, now that the IFRS trustees are weighing in. And now that EFREG has published its report indicating their intention for setting standards moving forward. And so we're really trying to demonstrate how fundamental building blocks of that future system exist, how they fit together, and how IFRS trustees and EFREG can take them in and begin building upon them as their work continues to build out this comprehensive system of corporate reporting. Yeah, that was another thing that the recent announcement highlighted is the plan for the IFRS to build and take a building block approach with all of the standards that exist. You mentioned also a WEF initiative. So the World Economic Forum published a paper on common metrics for, for sustainability reporting. How does that fit in with all of this? Just to add one more piece to the puzzle. Yeah, the WEF metrics were curated basically from existing standards that exist primarily from GRI standards, a few SASB standards, they're really focused on demonstrating progress towards achieving the sustainable development goals. Um, So it's really fantastic to see WEF and CEOs, you know, global import leaning in on these topics, but they're not new per se. They're really curated. They haven't developed new metrics. So it's really important to one, understand that they're really aimed at demonstrating progress towards impact and that you could think of them as a subset of the building blocks that are delineated in the Group of Five's statement of intent. But we're delighted to see the interest amongst global CEOs in the topic. Yeah, for sure. Interest from tons of stakeholders has just increased quite dramatically over the last year, especially. And so a lot of these initiatives are still fairly early days. And so I'm sure that sustainability practitioners and users of sustainability information are keen to see what this will all look like in practice. Do you think that we should expect to see any new frameworks or standards coming out of all of these work streams? Will one, do you think, come out on top? And how will that affect how companies report or how other stakeholders consume sustainability information? Right. So I think, you know, we've certainly seen signaling and action being taken across a variety of regulatory jurisdictions and regimes around the world with varying levels of ambition. It's quite clear that we're moving towards a world in which disclosure of sustainability issues will be more standardized and in some jurisdictions mandated. We've been working really hard over the past few years, as as evidenced by the statement of intent and other work that we've done, to help harmonize and rationalize standards and frameworks for sustainability-related disclosure, really in response to practitioners who are saying we can't handle another thing. Can we please coalesce around something? So we're seeing investor coalescence around high, high levels of interest in SASB plus TCFD as being kind of a fundamental building block that they would like to see at the foundation of all of this. And then depending on the ambition of the jurisdiction, for example, this is one of the reasons we talk about a building block approach to mandated disclosure. It would enable companies to report drawing from a common set of sustainability disclosure topics and related disclosure requirements at a foundational level. Think about the the middle box in the dynamic materiality graphic that we talked about earlier, again, rooted in financial materiality and enterprise value creation, and then upon which more expansive disclosure can be built, but again, drawing on a common language, right, to address the needs of a broader array of stakeholders, to your point. The interest amongst other stakeholders in these topics is growing, and I don't anticipate that it will die down anytime soon. But a building block approach would also allow jurisdictions to layer in 
jurisdiction-specific requirements as necessary, and we're seeing interest in doing that as well. So such a system would help global investors who have global portfolios have access to foundational level of comparable, consistent, reliable data, while also addressing the changing wants and needs of other stakeholders. So we're really working hard towards interoperability, as I mentioned, between those building blocks and towards achieving connectivity of data. So it's structured around agreed taxonomies and available digitally. So we're hoping that there isn't, you know, a development of further sort of splinter frameworks and initiatives, but we are, you know, the move by IFRS supported by IOSCO and the movement in the European Union through FRAG, you know, I think those are going to be the real drumbeats that we need to be following and paying attention to. You mentioned a few concepts here, Katie. One is around need for harmonization or coalescence, um, as well as jurisdiction-specific requirements. And there's also sector-specific requirements or sector-specific considerations to take into account. And the SASB standards have very much taken that that approach, a very sector-specific approach. So how do you see the need for harmonization and the need for standard or sector-specific information working together? SASB's work is predicated on the evidence demonstrating that not all sustainability issues play out in a one-size-fits-all manner across companies and industries. So we have 77 industry-specific standards that, that really dial down or dial in on those issues that are likely to affect enterprise value at the industry level. There are some jurisdictions that want sort of industry agnostic disclosure requirements across companies in every sector, and there's definitely room for that. But our approach is very much focused on financial materiality and industry specificity. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. They can definitely coexist. Let's shift focus a little bit to climate change. Obviously, a huge topic of focus across the corporate world, especially this year as we're heading into COP26 in November. And so a lot of demand for climate-related disclosures. The big five frameworks that we've been discussing throughout this conversation also published a case study or a prototype to demonstrate what a sustainability-related financial disclosure standard could look like showing how components of all the frameworks and standards that we've mentioned, as well as the TCFD, which has really emerged as a kind of leading framework and risk management framework for thinking about climate-related issues, how those could all work together. The IFRS has also indicated that climate is going to be their initial focus. So can you walk us through the conclusions of the work that led to that prototype climate standard and how you expect that will be used going forward? Right. Well, to your point, when the IFRS consultation came out, and one of the questions in that consultation was, if we are to go about setting up a sustainability standards board, would you support a climate first approach to standard setting or not? And, you know, we haven't analyzed all of the responses, but clearly IFRS um, came down after having reviewed the responses to their consultation saying that there was strong support for a climate first approach. And so they are going to take that, but anticipating, you know, we were really striving to demonstrate to the IFRS trustees that a climate first approach could be taken and very rapidly, they could move on to setting standards for a broader array of ESG issues, which is what we hear investors are really supportive of by showing what, again, existing standards and frameworks could do to be pulled together for a you know climate-focused um, set of standards. And one of the things that distinguishes the paper that we published in December, the prototype climate standard that you refer to from the statement of intent, was that we really drew upon the TCFD recommendations in that prototype climate standard to you know show how the recommendations could be put together a standard for meeting those recommendations by drawing from SASB, CDSB, and other members of of that sort of group of five. Right. So bringing the theory behind the statement of intent into a more real world example. Yeah. Katie, thanks so much for sharing your insights with us today. Is there anything that you'd like to add before we wrap up or where can organizations who are looking to learn more about all of these initiatives go to, to get more information? Great. Well, our work is really based on transparent, evidence-based, market-informed 
due process that's pretty rigorous. And that's an ongoing process. So the standards are codified, but we never say they're finished. And in fact, we have over 10 open research projects that are exploring a variety of different topics. And we really welcome market feedback on those projects and suggestions for new ones. So we've recently updated our website so people can more easily find the open research projects on our site. They can learn where we are in that project. They can communicate directly with the analyst who is leading the project and so on. That can be found under the active projects subsection of the standard section of our website, which is www.sasb.org. And if anyone has further questions, can't find something on our website that you're looking for, they can always email me. My email is really easy to remember. It's katie at sasb.org, K-A-T-I-E. And we're just really grateful to have this time with you. Thank you so much, Whitney, and really looking forward to seeing how the landscape continues to evolve. Yeah, as are we. Thanks, Katie. Thanks so much. Voluntary sustainability reporting initiatives have existed for years and are increasingly being adopted by issuers looking to communicate their non-financial performance and value creation efforts to stakeholders. Sustainability reporting is in a state of transition. A strong foundation has been established by the initiatives we discussed today, GRI, SASB, IIRC, and others. As the IFRS's Sustainability Standards Board project advances, supported by the work done to date, we expect increased attention to be placed on these important disclosures and for them to become more sophisticated, comparable, and decision useful. The landscape is complex, and we thank our guests today for helping us to make some sense of it. Thanks for listening to Sustainability Leaders. This podcast is presented by BMO Financial Group. To access all the resources we discussed in today's episode and to see our other podcasts, visit us at bmo.com forward slash sustainability leaders. You can listen and subscribe free to our show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider, and we'll greatly appreciate a rating and review and any feedback that you might have. Our show and resources are produced with support from BMO's marketing team and Puddle Creative. Until next time, I'm Michael Torrance. Have a great week. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of Bank of Montreal, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. This is not intended to serve as a complete analysis of every material fact regarding any company, industry, strategy, or security. This presentation may contain forward-looking statements. Investors are cautioned not to place undue reliance on such statements as actual results could vary. This presentation is for general information purposes only and does not constitute investment, legal, or tax advice, and is not intended as an endorsement of any specific investment product or service. Individual investors should consult with an investment, tax, and or legal professional about their personal situation. Past performance is not indicative of future results.